Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Um, we're jumping into the series that I started last week called Jesus Said. I'm talking about what Jesus said. And specifically, when you read through the New Testament, you'll see often Jesus answered this, and then Jesus told them that. So often Jesus was saying things, and when we read this, it was a parable, it was something powerful, something informative, something to his disciples, something to the Pharisees, so that this series could go on forever because Jesus said so much. But I'm going to focus particularly on a, on a topic that is so important for us as Christians and so important for us for our church. And I'll get into that here in a sec. First, let me jump into Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We're just going to read there. I'm going to go off a lot into chapter 12, and then we'll pick up with what Jesus said. Okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, okay, let's stop there for a second and just think about what is the writer talking about? He's talking about beyond this life, in the heavens, in eternity, with God, there's a host of witnesses that have gone before us. People in the faith who have gone before us that now wait for us and see us and cheer us on. People who passed on, people of the faith. He says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of people, of witnesses, people who've gone before us in faith, let us, that's you and I, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Let's throw off everything that hinders us. And let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Right? Sin disconnects you in so many ways emotionally from wanting to connect with God. When you, when you, you love your sin, it's hard to love God. Amen. Right? And so here he's telling us, hey, this sin, it doesn't just hinder you, it entangles you. Everybody, anybody ever felt entangled or trapped or tormented by things that they, they desire to get free from, right? We've been there, right? And then he says, let's throw off everything that hinders. Uh, who here is afraid of roaches? All right. Okay. So if a roach just flew and landed on your... On your chest here, on your shirt. How many of you would be like, oh, look, it's a little roach, and you just give it a little flick? How many of you would start hyperventilating, asking the Lord God Almighty to be your strength in the battle at that moment? How many of you would do that, right? Slap, you, you, you throw it off you, right? So just get that picture. Let's throw off everything that hinders us. Church, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, he's talking about Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary 
and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews knows that in this journey of life, sin tries to entangle us. We have to throw off things that hinder us in this race. He knows that there's the opportunity for us to grow weary and to lose heart. And he's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at what Jesus went through as he experienced betrayals and disappointments and things that were spoken against him, lies, accusations, um, unmet expectations. He's pointing us to Jesus. He's saying, look, if you want to finish this race, which begs the first question, do you, church, know you're in a race? This is not just life. This is not just what you're building. This is not just your family. You know, when things have been really, really difficult as you've grown up, and maybe you had a very, very difficult upbringing or different, different childhood than you really expected you would have, and now you're trying to do this thing on your own. Here's the challenge. The challenge is once you start getting something good, you can say, that's good enough. As long as I have this, that's all that really matters. The problem is then that becomes an idol. And your happiness and your joy are all dependent on this. Well, if my marriage is good because I had a horrible upbringing, as long as my marriage is good, I'm good. As long as my kids are good, I'm good. As long as things are good at my job, then things are great, right? And what God is pointing out to us, even through this chapter, is that there is a race that we're running. And God even says it's been marked out for us, which means that a lot of the things that we're confused about are often things God's not confused about. It's part of the race. It's part of the journey. And when I got into the race with God, I signed up for the path, the long journey, okay? So he's saying, let's throw off everything that hinders us in this race, okay? And then he goes on to say, in the next few verses down, verse 11, stay with me, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. It seems painful, right? When you decide to discipline yourself and say, you know what, that's it. We're not spending money on eating out anymore. And then they build your favorite restaurant <laughs> one half block from your house, and you're like, well, maybe next year. Like, well, we need to get serious by next year, right? Or when you decide to, to, to lose weight, right? Or when you decide to save money and you start to put discipline in place, right? To put some boundaries around yourself, right? You discipline yourself. And here's what he's saying. It doesn't seem pleasant at the time, right? It's painful. Discipline is painful, okay? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it, which he's saying, if you want God to produce his righteousness and his peace in you, there's discipline he has to do. Discipline he has to put in you and around you and on you. And when you've been trained by it, you get the blessing of it, right? You call, you've seen those memes that are like, I love working out, but I love tacos more. Come on, we all get hungry. We understand that, right? He, we, we can do this too. We love God and we love his righteousness and peace, but we love not being disciplined as well. And so we have to choose. Do we want the pain of the discipline of what God is calling us to so that God's life can flow, so that God's peace can flow, right? He's telling us if we want to see God's blessing and peace in abundance, a harvest. He's not talking about a trickle. He's talking about a harvest of it, okay? Then we've got to go through some training, and that training requires discipline. 
Now, we know the discipline of saving money. We know the discipline of prayer, of reading the word, of whatever it may be, okay? But here's the discipline that no one talks about, the discipline that nobody wants to deal with, and it is the discipline of getting over it when people offend you, of getting through it and beyond it and overcoming when people sin against you. Those are the two areas I want to go to today. When people offend you and when people sin against you. Okay? Those are two different things. Sometimes the same, but often two different things. Okay? One of the greatest disciplines that I've gone through and that I'm still going through is the discipline of getting over people who offend me. (laughs) It's getting really quiet in here today. I assume it will get quieter as the message goes on, okay? There's a discipline of overcoming offenses, okay? Come on, have you ever met somebody who they're just, they're offended at everything, right? It's almost like a running joke now, like that, that somebody online, what are we enraged at today? Well, what are we all mad at today? You know what I mean? There's just this, it's like they're a walking offense justified in their mind, but that's not fun to live with. That's not fun to be around. That's not cool to be married to. It's not. <laughs> right? Where's the peace? Where's the harvest of righteousness? That's what we're looking for because we got to coexist. And Romans 12, 18 encourages, encourages us in this. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean be a rug and let everybody destroy you and step on you. It just means work towards being a peaceful cohabitant with people. Peaceful individual who you work with, right? Now, I'm just going to be truthful, okay? I get offended a lot. (laughs) I, I, I see things a certain way, and it's very easy for me to get offended. So I have to practice this all the time, right? If you have kids, you have to practice this. If you're married, you have to practice this. If you have a boss, you have to practice this, right? We all get offended, okay? I started with me, but let's talk about you. We all get offended. <laughs> Amen? We all get offended, okay? But, but I naturally get offended. I naturally get offended by things that like, aren't right and are just wrong in principle. So much so that Janelle has to remind me sometimes. Like the other, a couple of days ago, I was getting upset about there, there's, there's a certain situation with a pastor and something's gone down and it just didn't sound right. And, and, and I said, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> and I start going off. And then Janelle's like, Daniel, this is not your fight. This is, this is their fight. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. Come down off the ledge. But what was I fighting for? I'm fighting for the principle of what's right. I'm not fighting to fight. I'm fighting for what's right. And, and if you're a person who is reactional and, and, and reactionary and is emotional and does have convictions about certain things, it's very easy to get offended at something. I mean, it, it is no problem for me to walk in somewhere and someone has an attitude and me just go, what's his problem? What's his deal? Like, I don't just see that and go like, oh, he was having a bad attitude today. I'm in a good, I, don't, I don't do, that's not me. Me, I'm like, what's his problem? I don't know. He's been like that today. Hey, what's your problem? Like, what? <laughs> what's the vibe here, man? You're wrecking the whole vibe. What is going on? 
Are you okay? Do you need help? No? Oh, oh, you're just in a bad mood? Okay. You've been like that for the last three weeks in a row, and there's no reason. You got to chill on that, you know? Like, atmospheres are big to me. I don't want people to be fake, but I don't want people to be negative constantly. We all have to take ownership of our own spirit and what we're going through, right? And so it's natural to get offended, right? Now, why discipline? Going back to discipline, what I was talking about before, anything in the faith, okay? Why should we be disciplined in overcoming offenses, in overcoming when people sin against us? Because it is the easiest thing to take us out of the race. Offense is the easiest thing to take out of a race, to take out of a marriage, to take out of a friendship, to take out of church, to take you off of a team. It's the easiest thing and nobody talks about it. In fact, people will just say, when you ask them, what's wrong? Nothing, nothing, okay. Something's wrong. No, no, it's fine. No, no, it's fine, really. I mean, it's really immature. I don't want to talk about it, you know. Okay, yeah, but well, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, something's not setting right with you. No, 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 really, I, I've just given it to God. Okay, that sounds very spiritual. I'm glad you've given it to God. But who do you need to talk to about this? Well, I'll just talk to God and I'll, I'll be over it. I know you'll be over it, but are you really over it? Because you haven't gotten through it. And to get over it, sometimes you have to get through it. And sometimes to get through it, you have to talk to somebody. And you can talk to God, but if you haven't talked to the person, you're not over it. You're not even through it. It's almost like people have to get to the place where they admit they are offended. Right? Like to to live in offense is sinful, but to be offended is human. (laughs) Right? Um, And and nothing takes people out of relationships and out of church and off of teams and out of the body of Christ. Now, look, beyond these four walls, there's a way that the world deals with conflict and a way that the world deals with the particulars that I'm talking about here. And it's cancellation rather than conversation, right? Out, Out there, you can cancel, you can delete, you can unfriend, You can gossip, you can slander, and people are justified in it because they live in and of themselves. There is no entity that they worship. There is no, it's just every man for himself. You can live how you want. When we got brought into the body of Christ, not only are we accountable to God, we're accountable to one another. We're accountable to the great cloud of witnesses. We're accountable to the faith. Jesus said, let your light shine, Right? And there are plenty of ways to become offended, right? Things people say and do, whether they're intentional or unintentional, right? Somebody says something and it was intentional and it's offensive. Someone said there was something that was, this was like all of 2020, remember? It's intentional and unintentional. It's like somebody would post, good morning, everybody. Oh, he's a racist. What? (laughs) He said good morning. All he did was... All he was saying good morning. What do you mean he's a racist? Like, are you sure? No, no, he really is. Okay, you know, it was insane. And you saw these accusations and these attacks, okay? So there's things people say and do. There's your perception of what people say and do. Right? <laughs> you talk to somebody and, and, and they're like, you know, how's it going? You're like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean, what do I mean by that? You know, like, what's behind what you're saying here? Like, it's like there's a, something's going on in here, 
and it's stirring, right? There's built, that's built up frustration. It's built up frustration with someone or something that, that finally triggers you yeah. or, or makes you think that someone else is saying something that they're not saying or not saying something that you think they should be saying. Isn't this weird, uh, world weird with communication and verbals and nonverbals? But this is life. Like, there's insecurity. There's your insecurity and there's someone else's insecurity, right? There's people's inability to meet goals or deadlines or expectations, yours or someone else's, right? That causes offense. Changes that happen, right? Some people, they love change. Some people hate it. Some people can't handle it. Some people don't want to deal with it but it is part of life, but changes, even changes in church or in ministry or in teams or in processes, right? Uh, you know, we, back in the day when we were starting the church and we would add services, we were doing three services at one time in our old location, um, and, you know, you would change the church, you would change the time of the service. Like, we would move it 15 minutes lower or 30 minutes higher. You would think that I just invited Satan to the pulpit to preach for the Sunday. How some people were just so bent out of shape you know, about, about things, okay? But, but here's generally where people are offended. Unmet expectations that often weren't even communicated or fully understood, okay? Betrayals is very common, and then things people have said, whether it was intentional, unintentional, whether it was meant to be harmful or hurtful or not, it's things people have said. And I could go on, okay? Now, here's what Hebrews chapter 12, keep it going down here in verse 15. Here's what we're told about how to deal with this between us. Look what he says. Look after each other. Let's just start there. Are we looking after each other? Who are you looking after here? I go to Grace Avenue. I'm glad you go to Grace Avenue. Who do you belong to at Grace Avenue? Who belongs to you? Who are you looking after? Who do you care about? Who do you pray for? Who prays for you? Who's in your business? Right? Who do you look after? Look after each other so that None of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Okay? Now, he's talking about how we deal with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and in Christianity. Okay? Again, the standard of the world, cancellation. Here, the standard of the, of the church, of God's people, is conversation. It's conversation. Okay? Now, um, how many of you have ever thought about poisoning someone? <laughs> I'm not going to see that I saw a hand or two. I'm just going to. You thought about poisonings. None of us would. Well, some of us would think about poisoning people. But he says, let no poisonous root grow up in you. A poisonous root of bitterness grow by which it corrupts many people. It poisons all kinds of people, right? Have you ever gone online and seen somebody just post on, on like maybe a restaurant or something? One star review, worst food ever, period, right? All caps, worst, period, food, period, ever, exclamation point, one star, right? That's an offended person. No explanation, didn't give any details, didn't want to say how it could be made better, didn't want to talk to any management, didn't give an explanation of the food or the experience, just worst food ever. That's a one-star offended review, right? Now, if, if the place has two reviews and there's a five-star review, it now evens it out to three stars. And so now if you're trying this place out, you're like, what is it? Is it good or is it the worst food ever? 
I've now been corrupted by a one-star review that labels someone as something as the worst food ever. And I don't really know the truth until I get in there and figure it out for myself. And this is what happens with people. Like if I go to someone and I tell them something about so-and-so, I have the chance right there to corrupt that person's vision and understanding of what this other individual is. And if it's a root of bitterness that has grown up in me, it's not only poison the person I'm telling, but now that person is probably going to poison others telling them the same thing. This is the business nobody wants to talk about in church. You ever been gossiped about? You ever been lied about? You ever been misrepresented? It's a terrible feeling. It's even worse when it happens in church. So when people say, oh, those Christians, they're, they're hypocrites, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So are you, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, because in church, because some people aren't doing what God has called us to do, which is what Jesus said, which is what I'm going into next. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you or sister, go and tell him or her their fault between you and between him alone. And if they listen to you, you've gained back your brother or sister. It doesn't say to leave a one-star review. It doesn't say to corrupt many, five or six people before you get to the person. Okay, now, let me put this on pause for a second. Put a little caveat here and just say a little side dish. This is not allowing people in abusive, mentally, emotionally, or physical situations where a spouse is saying, no, you can't tell anybody, you need to deal with me and me alone, which allows him to continue to manipulate and abuse the spouse. Are you, are you following me? I don't want people to think, well, are you saying, Daniel, that someone can't talk to anybody? No. If a person is abusive, they do need to be held accountable and shouldn't use this to manipulate. But what I'm talking about is generally, not the exception, but generally how we handle offenses, how we handle when people offend us, right? Look at Luke 17. Look what Jesus said. Offenses will come. You don't get any clearer than that. Offenses are coming. They're on the way. And look what that word offenses means. It's a stick for bait, a snare, a stumbling block. How many of you have, you know, stubbed your toe in the middle of the night on something small in the house that you're like, why is that even there? You know, it's a coffee table. It's always there. And, and you want to die because, you, you know, I, I literally broke my toe a couple years ago. Same thing. Just while I tried to avoid one of my daughter's toys, stepped over it and did this and kicked the door on the other, other leg and was like, oh, my God, I wanted to die. <laughs> I literally wanted to die. I had to use crutches. I had to preach. Like, I was in excruciating pain. I had to walk up here without the crutches because I'm like, I'm not letting the church see me on crutches. And I'm like, <laughs> Robbing pain took, took a couple of months to heal. It was ridiculous. A small thing, a little stumbling block caused this massive effect. Caused all kinds of pain. My ability to walk. This is what he's saying. Offenses will come. The bait is there. And when you take it, it's a stumbling block for your faith, for your walk with God. So every time we get offended, we're taking the bait. When we keep getting offended by the same thing over and over, we're taking the bait. At some point, we have to come into understanding, like, this is probably just my reality for now, and I need to change how I'm looking at this situation. 
I need to change how I'm approaching this situation, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Because if everything's a trigger, you're going to be a very, very busy person. You're going to be very busy in life because there's plenty to be triggered by. And the world is very triggering and people are very triggering. So we have to see how Jesus sees. He says offenses are coming. And guess what? They're bait. They're a stumbling block. What does he call it? A snare. This is a snare to catch you, to trap you. Offenses, right? So here's what we have to do. When he says, let's put that verse back up there. He says, if your brother sins against you, if, if your brother or sister sins against you. So we have to ask ourselves the question, did our brother and sister actually sin against us or did we just not like what they say or not like what they do? Because sometimes we're offended because it was an actual sin against us. Other times, we just don't like what they said. And we get trapped either way. And we're trapped either by what we thought they said, what we thought they meant, what we thought that they should have done, shouldn't have done. We're trapped. Come on, how many of you wasted five hours thinking about what you're going to tell someone, but then you see him and you don't tell him? <laughs> when I see him, this is what I'm going to say. Oh, hey, what's going on? Good to see you. You know, you don't say it because, you know, it means conversation. And if you don't have a conversation, but here, this is, okay, here's the series. Jesus said, Jesus is saying this. If they sin against you, you, you go and you talk to that person between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother or your sister back. You've gained them back. What is Jesus putting more emphasis on? Not that you're right, not that you're justified, but that you've gained them back and not lost them. That's very different from cancellation. That's very different from deleting and unfriending. Like this is kindergarten. You're not my friend anymore. That's literally what it feels like when I hear adults. Oh, I unfriended them and I blocked them. Like, you're 45, bro. Like, can't you just talk? Send them a text or, you know? Come on, we've got to think bigger. We've got to see this bigger. We've got to see what Jesus is saying. See, the inability to resolve offenses most often leads people to wandering through life in lostness, and confusion, refusing to put down roots in order to grow in the faith and grow with others. Guys, I see this all of my life. I see this all of my life in church life. Offense uproots you, and then the justification of offense causes you to go plant, often, that same root of bitterness in another community, in another relationship, with another friendship, in another job, and then to say, nope, there's no poisonous root, but the root is poison because you're not through it, you're not over it, you haven't talked to anybody. The fruit that's coming out is bitter. People can smell it, they can see it. Then when it happens again, you're like, this is just like the last place. Wait a minute, okay? It's not always like the last place. Sometimes it is that you did not resolve what was before. Come on. Now, in our lives, we've all got areas like this where we have sensitivities where it's easier to get offended <laughs> than, than others. It, it's just easier to get offended. It's easier to get more triggered than others, right? Some things don't bother people. Like, that Janelle and I are opposite on, on, on a lot of things. Like, there, there are things that do not even bother her to the ends of the earth. And there are things that, like, my day is ruined. It's ruined the whole day, all 24 hours, just gone. It's done. <laughs> What are you going to do? I'm not working today. I'm just done. Like, I'm done. <laughs> we did that yesterday. I know, but I'll, I'm, I'm not doing anything today. You know, it's, it's, we all have those places in our life where it's easy to get offended and to, and to then let that offense take root, and then it starts to grow. 
right? And then mentally, we start to rehearse it, and emotionally, we start to process it, and then we start to verbalize it, and then before you know it, we're corrupting many. Do we give the offense to God before we even allow it to just start growing? Come on, this is, this is good for us. Guys, we fight enough of the enemy, Satan, in our own lives. We don't need to be fighting each other. We don't need to fight it with each other. We fight enough of the enemy. Hell and all its darkness coming against us, coming against all the light in your life and your family. We don't need to give the enemy any ground with the bait by catching us, ensnaring us, and then by, thereby allowing us to corrupt many with our offenses. We have to figure out how to grow through this, okay? Let's go back to that verse, Hebrews 12, 15. It says, look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God. And then he says, watch out so that no root grows up. See, here's where it starts. It starts as a seed, but then it grows. It didn't just grow, it grows up. Then he says, it troubles you, and then it corrupts many. It troubles you first, and then it corrupts many. Like, there's a process to this. The snare, the bait was put, we take it, bam, we're hooked. It's got us by the mouth, it's reeling us in, what are we gonna do? Now it's trying to grow up, okay? Now it's troubling us, and then it corrupts many. Jesus uses this word, scandalon. It's a snare. It's a snare. Think about it this with people. The moment you hear something about someone, and, and the, let me say it this way. The moment you're offended, you will see someone differently. I cannot help if you tell me something super negative about someone and then look at that person and not think that. It's just not possible. It's, it's impossible. That is the danger of offense, that are unresolved issues. I mean, we talk to people about this in marriage counseling over the years and at times where we've had to say, look, you've got you've to put some healthy boundaries between you and your family. It's about to get real hot in here. Just the temperature's about to go up. I'm just preparing you. But you don't need to be calling your sister or your brother or your mom every time you guys get into an argument. No, we're not talking about protecting from abuse. and We're not going there. I'm just saying, if, if I'm your brother and you're my sister and you keep calling me and telling me about your spouse and I see him at the family barbecue, I want to punch him out because of what he did to my sister. That's, that's what's in me, because I've been corrupted by what you keep telling me. He said what, and he did that, and he, and he what, and he went where, and with who, and what. It's just boiling in me, right? I'm human. You're human. I can't help but not think about someone a certain way if you tell me something, right? So again, are we part of the problem sometimes when the offense is being caused by us? I know there's lots of jokes about, you know, oh, what's the tea today? Yeah, but if the tea is ungodly and it's damaging to people, we need to be responsible and accountable for that. How can God give you more if he can't give you your heart to guard from all this stuff? Because you keep getting ensnared by it, okay? Okay, so big question. Let's go back to the Matthew verse. We'll close with this. If he sins against you, okay, did they sin against you or did 
Do you really just not like what they said? We've got to distinguish that, right? Secondly, go and tell him his fault between you and you alone. You know, sometimes people are just adamant that they're not going to have a conversation. Well, you need to go talk about it. No, I don't want to do that. Well, you, need to, you need to have a conversation. No, 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 no. It's, it's gonna, okay, well, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about when I'm going to have the conversation. I mean, we hear, we hear this. Our pastors hear this. Our leaders hear this. I'm still praying about it. It's been two months. <laughs> You've had 700 conversations with God. You can have one 30-second conversation. Do you need a mediator in that conversation? Do you need somebody to help you? That's a possibility. That's an opportunity. But a conversation has to be had, right? Three, it says, if he listens, if he listens. Here's what we have to be prepared for. Sometimes you go to reconcile something and people don't want to listen. They're dead set on not hearing it. They're going to see it the way they see it. They're going to hear it. They, they want, to, want to hear it. The temperature's still too hot. It is what it is. But, but you have done your part to reconcile, or at least you're working towards it. See, you may go to actually listen and come back and realize maybe you did play a part in this. I know that's hard for us to understand, but get married and you learn it really quickly. You do play a part. There's what you said, Daniel. Yeah, because you did this. Yeah, because you did this. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense now. Are you with me? If he listens, if he listens, okay, what is he saying? Where there's maturity and responsibility, where there's kingdom thinking, where there's Christ-like living, where there's Holy Spirit character, the fruit of the Spirit comes into play. He listens. Lastly, you've gained your brother or sister. So are we more concerned about gaining back our brother or sister for the sake of Christ and his kingdom? Or are we more concerned with being right and staying offended? This is what Jesus is telling us when it comes to how we deal with one another in his church. And church is the easiest place to become familiar with people, loving with people. In one minute, you can be high-fiving. And then, here's the truth. The wounds in church are deeper because there's more trust between us. There's more love between us. There's more at stake here. There's more laws here, right? God, honest truth, I am closer to leaders in this church than I am my own blood relatives, out uncles, aunts, cousins. You guys know me better than some of my own family members that are by blood, my own DNA. And they could say something to me and it would make me mad, but you guys could say something and it could crush me. There's a difference. Wounds of a friend, kisses of an enemy. Very different. When there's trust involved, when there's love involved, this stuff is very delicate. But we don't become a mature group of people that God can entrust with more if we can't handle the very people he's put around us. So are we all going to be excellent at this? We're going to have be testing in it, that's for sure. But here's a question I want to ask as we close. Are you the person that another person can come to, and here's, here's, it's going to sting here, Can they accuse you of your sin and your goal is reconciliation? Because first off, it's it's defensiveness. It's fight posture. Hang on a second. 
Okay, well, hang on a second. Maybe, okay, I I did sin against you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Those words could save marriages, teams, lives, families, friendship. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Just those two phrases alone. Yet, they're never said. God's people, we have to say those words regularly. We have to. If not, we've been ensnared by the enemy. We've been ensnared by the enemy. We took the bait. And now he gets the win and we get the L. So are you the person that another person can come to and accuse you of your sin? And your goal, when you hear it, is reconciliation. Let's make this right. Second question, are you the type of person that someone can go to and you can tell them their sin and your goal is reconciliation? Or your end goal is to make this right? You know, there have been people over the years where, for whatever reason, people come and go in life and in church or whatever and you see this a lot and I just I never got comfortable with running into someone at the grocery store and having all kinds of funkiness between us you know come on you've done this where you, you see, I, I've literally been in this position where people see you know, me at the grocery store and they're like you know push their basket the other way like a lot of times it's because of, of shame or whatever's going on in their life or they don't but, but there's times where there's been, been conflict or disagreement and, and, and people would rather just not deal with it, you know? And, and I've had to learn this because my problem is I'm a confronter. I like to deal with things. I like to deal with it. Like, let's, let's get it out on the table. I like that. A lot of people don't like that. <laughs> or they don't like it now or they, they, they like it in six months or they like it when, when they've got understanding or they like it when they process that this hurt isn't the same as the last hurt and they're trying to get through. And I've learned to respect that. But one thing I, I, I've said is I don't want to have that, that ease, that uneasiness. You know, I've got my little girl in my right hand. You know, I'm walking and you see somebody that, that I don't want any weirdness. Who's that, daddy? Oh, there's a story there. Let me tell you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Wait till we get in the car. I'm not going to do that. Not going to corrupt my child with, with you know what I mean? And the remedy is keeping my own heart in the right spot. How can I deal with this offense? How can I deal with this sin I've committed against them or this sin that's been committed against me? Where do I need to start? What's the part I play? I've run into people before who left one way said a whole bunch of stuff caused a lot of pain and a lot of conversations and then I run into them and they act like everything's fine and they reach out and they give me a hug and when they're hugging me I'm thinking is there, are they going to pull a blade out of their pocket and put it into my pack right now 
like they did when they were at Grace Avenue. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Or do they really mean, how are you, Daniel? It's good to see you. And, and I don't know. And that is the price I pay as a leader. That's the price you pay as a Christian is when you forgive. See, people say, well, forgive and forget. Uh, I don't forget things. I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I don't forget a lot of things, but I do forgive a lot of things. Because if I don't forgive in this position, I'll be a poisonous root corrupting many. Putting up walls, protecting myself from getting hurt. I don't want that. Honestly, it's going to sound crazy. I just get used to getting hurt. <laughs> I get used to getting hurt. <laughs> I get used to getting offended. And then I have to get used to the discipline of overcoming that thing. All the time. And what it does is it grows you. And then you figure out, do I even need to be getting upset about this? No. This is, the, why am I even, why am I, this is, this is a snare. This is a trap today. This is bait. This is bait. And we start to become more discerning. And we're able to walk into situations and we're, we'll discern them differently because we're seeing them differently. How many of you used to watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? One day, Will Smith is in there in the pool hall and he's getting hustled and this guy takes his money and says you owe me 300 bucks so Will calls Uncle Phil Uncle Phil shows up says what is this he says your boy owes me 300 bucks you'll have to play me for it he says well I don't know this game very well big old Uncle Phil he's like I don't know this game I don't know what I'm going to do so he starts playing he goes through three games and this, this pool shark is like you owe me $400 now and so Uncle Phil's like, okay. Uh. He's like, you want to keep going? He's like, well, let's, let's play $100 a ball. $100 a ball, how about that? And the guy's like, of course, if you want to lose more money, let's do it. And at that moment, Uncle Phil goes, Jeffrey, break out Lucille. And Jeffrey pulls out this pull stick, tightens it up. And you find out in that second that Uncle Phil knew exactly what was going on the whole time. And he hustles this guy out of all this money gets his money back, and, and it's just funny because he knew what he was dealing with and didn't get ensnared by the offense, and he just went in. See how spiritual Fresh Prince can be if you just look? <laughs> uncle Phil, Uncle Phil's the man, God rest his soul. He was the man. I wish that dude was my uncle. He was just cool, and he hustled this dude all, all, out of all this money back, and Jesus would do that, I think. He'd take the money back, right? It's for a good cause, an innocent nephew. I can't tie this together with the end of the message. I just, you shouldn't hustle people. Let me just say that. But you should be, what Jesus said is to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. And Uncle Phil goes in there, not huffing and puffing and blasting off of the fence, but using discernment to figure out the situation and work the situation to get a different outcome. We need to be God's church who does that with conversations. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray for Uncle Phil. <laughs> for more Uncle Phil opportunities. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your ability to help us grow, even when it means having conversations that involve conflict, difficulty. Lord, help us to overcome offense. Help, help us to see the situation through the eyes of reconciliation, not just being right. Lord, give us the grace 
to operate by the fruit of the Spirit when we're having conversations, to see the end goal in mind that Jesus being glorified is more important than us being right, that, Lord, your word being obeyed, that, Lord, your, your spirit being present to bring reconciliation. Lord, help us. Lord, we know we're human, but thank you that we have your spirit that gives us power and strength to overcome, to reconcile, to be bigger in the moment than what we're experiencing. If everyone keeping their head bowed and their eyes closed for a second, if you're wrestling with this situation right now in your own friendship or family or your own circle, would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you if you need, you need prayer for that. You say, I'm dealing with this, Daniel. I'm, I'm walking through this right now. I need the grace. I need the ability to understand this deeper. God be with them. Help them, Lord. In this moment, in this season, as they're processing what they need to say, what they need to do, where they need to sit, where they need to stand. Thank you, God, that you're giving them strength. Help them see themselves. Help them see the situation for what it truly is and what's happening. We're going to have our ministers up here to pray with you. If you want to pray about these things further, directly after. And I encourage you to not just let this go by the wayside. If this is something that you want to pray about and you need conversation about, and you can give generic details if it's that easier. Just say, hey, I just need help dealing with this situation, and here it is. How, how should I approach this? How what do you, what do you approach this? I, guys, I do that all the time. I do that all the time with my pastors and, 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 and people of wisdom. Because the end goal is Jesus being glorified through my life. I just really feel like God is doing something right now in this moment. And that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. To forgive is to liberate yourself from the baggage of someone else's unfaithfulness, someone else's expectations they did not live up to, promises they did not keep, things they said, things they did. And I'll say this to Grace Avenue, to church, to our leadership. You can't corrupt the flow with unforgiveness. You can't get in the way of what God is trying to do. You can't. God is counting on you. He brought you here. You got to keep the flow clean. The air's got to be clean. And the reality is, is God will bring us back to lessons sometimes that he wants us to learn. Because how can we be trusted with more if we can't do with what he's given us in our hand? For some of you, it'll be conversations. For others, It'll be learning to communicate healthy boundaries. For others, it'll learn, be learning how to forgive. For others, it'll be learning how to walk out forgiveness and learn what forgiveness actually feels like because you've experienced nothing but unforgiveness. The Lord has grace for wherever you're at, but you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest with him in this moment. Because this is the moment that moves you from 
in the race that I talked about in the beginning. This is the discipline part. It's painful. But even though it's painful, remember the promise is that there's a harvest of righteousness and peace. There are some people I can look at now, it's total forgiveness. When 10 years ago, it, it would have been total rage and unforgiveness. Now, absolutely want the best for people. I have no shame in saying that. I've learned how to walk out things and they took time. But had I not, it's very easy to corrupt others. Can you imagine for a second what it's like, what it would be like to walk with a spirit that is free from all offense. Can you imagine for a second what it would be like to be a person who the moment offense comes, it's gone. You don't sit in it, you don't stand in it, you don't, you don't even have to process it. It comes in and you so quickly recognize it, it's gone. You didn't take the bait. You didn't take the bait. You didn't get snared. This is what Jesus said. It's a trap. Maybe sometimes it feels justified. But here's the thing. Nothing should get us to the place where it's corrupting our spirit and we're not shining the light of God anymore. We're just shining negativity, cynicism, and anger. Imagine the sound of heaven. You hear what we were just singing right there? How beautiful that sounded. There's a great cloud of witnesses singing right now before the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We have a holy God who's called us to a holy life. And this is part of how we walk out that holiness. We rid ourselves, throw off everything that hinders us. Come on, I believe today was a wake-up call for some of you to how to handle this. And we're going to handle this differently. We're going to handle this differently. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we're going to try and recognize it. We're going to see it for what it is. Janelle and I will often, you know, when we've said this before, when, when, when things are, are, are pressured with kids and stuff going on and dogs and you name it, it's like, hang on, we can't take the bait right now. We can't take the bait. Hang on, this is, this is a trap. And we, we pick up on it quickly. And that's a gift of God. Because offense is a time waster. And it's a thief of your dreams. And it's a destiny killer. It destroys. It destroys people from where they could be and where they should be. It puts them on another path of offense. Some people never get off. So God, teach our hearts how to walk in a way that recognizes the snare. Recognizes what's not of you. Discipline us in that way, God, so that we don't waste time. And everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.